Good evening and welcome to the inauguration or January 25th edition of Eye on the Triangle. I am your host, Chris Chaffee. This week we have quite the show for you. Mark Herring, our correspondent, has prepared a story commemorating the anniversary of the Haiti earthquake and I got acquainted with a new Zipcar program on campus. We will have a cutting from the Burning Coal Theater's newest production, Blue, and then later we will have a segment from Kyle Jones about what it really means to be organic. We will also have readings from authors published in this year's Windover, NC State's literary magazine, Weather, Sports, and finally, some representatives from the NC State University Ducks Unlimited Club will stop by to talk about your organization, their organization. So stay tuned here on 88.1 for all this and more on Eye on the Triangle. We'll start our show tonight with Mark Herring's report on the Haiti earthquake, and after that, I'll give you the lowdown on Zipcar. In the aftermath of the 7.0 magnitude earthquake in Haiti, the destruction of such a disaster seemed unimaginable. The narrative of Haiti, which has endured the trials of slavery, dictatorships, deprivation, and the calamities of last year, may suggest a story of suffering. But not all the news is bad. Soon after the earthquake, the North Carolina State University community mobilized to contribute to the relief efforts. I spoke with Mike Giancola, the director of the Center of Student Leadership, Ethics, and Public Service, also known as CSLEPS. Giancola, at this moment, is on the ground in Haiti, working with the organization Together We Can. Earlier, I sat down with Giancola to see how CSLEPS and the NC State community responded to the Haitian earthquake. In many ways, the student leadership and the staff at CSLEPS, we try to serve as a focal point, but we're not the... The, the only people working together to make things happen. And so the, the university has, has really been involved in a variety of ways. First of all, it's important to know that many of our faculty and staff and students have been engaged in Haiti for a long time, long before the earthquake, through research and other relief efforts and projects. But since the earthquake, NC State launched the How for Haiti campaign, and that was a partnership between student government and, the, the, and CSLEPS and, and really the entire university community that came together under the, the auspices of How for Haiti as a way to, to collect funds and raise awareness about the needs in Haiti. That fund has, has reached well over $85,000, and those dollars have gone through Stop Hunger Now, um, as decided upon by the student leaders. And, and so that was the initial effort, was to raise the funds needed just to provide life-saving aid and food. Howell for Haiti quickly coordinated with the private service organization Stop Hunger Now which has been packing and distributing food in poverty-struck countries since 2005, after another disaster, the tsunami on the coast of the Indian Ocean. Kelly Hook, the student body president, helped collaborate with Stop Hunger Now. Hook came by the studio to comment on service at NC State. It was awesome to see community service bring together a campus that is typically maybe not as together or central as maybe some other universities but this effort bar none has been the one experience where i've seen every organization work together and come up with cool ideas i mean they had benefit concerts fashion shows t-shirt design competitions ribbon sales date auctions guitar lessons you name it and people collaborated i don't even know how they found each other sometimes often it was students individuals would contact student government and they'd say how can we make this project happen who can we work with and we would just connect the dots and and they would take it themselves of all the moving pieces of how for haiti the most significant contribution from the university was the stop hunger now meal planning event which packed fifty thousand meals for the organization's work in haiti yeah the, the stop hunger now meals it's really a great way to engage people in the fight against hunger 
I think one of the things to realize is that when we package a million meals in one day, that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface and hunger for one hour. Um, but what that does is engage people in the fight against hunger and get people to the point where they find it deplorable that, that people are, are dying every single day on this, in this world. But so the meals are made up of four main ingredients. They're rice, dehydrated soy, dehydrated vegetables, and then a vitamin mineral mix. They're scientifically um, designed to really deal with the nutrition deficiencies that many um, uh, young people around the world face, and really for that matter, adults as well. But Stop Hunger Now, most of their meals go to school lunch feeding programs. And the idea there is that, you know, I like to say that that parents in the developing world love their kids no more or less than, than I love my kids. And, and so the meals, like I said, are used in school lunch feeding programs to increase the, the education rate to basically disrupt the poverty cycle. By the grace of God, there was a, a, about a million meals that had been delivered to Haiti um, a day or two before the earthquake. Um, and because of that, those meals were already on the ground. It's important to note that Stop Hunger Now had been working in Haiti for years, long before the earthquake. And, and so those meals were already there. So they became instrumental in the very early days of the relief efforts after the earthquake to provide um, sustainable meals, not just for kids, but also for, for adults as well. Despite the gains that Hal for Haiti achieved, it has been taken off the agenda of student government since reaching its goal of over $70,000. Well, I got to be honest with you here. I kind of see my role as fulfilling student demand and how for Haiti ended about when the student demand for the fundraising effort ended. And if students overwhelmingly started to say we'd like to campaign and fundraise on behalf of Haiti, I'd be all about leading that effort. But uh, as a result, we have other community service projects that have resulted as a as a result of students saying they found that important. And student government's role really is to represent what students want. And so if, if students decide, hey, we want to start up How for Haiti again, um, I'm all for it. Tangible aid has reached Haiti through government agencies, the deployment of U.S. troops, and through the work of various NGOs. However, of the billions of dollars pledged, much of it won't reach the ground. Moreover, as interest and activism may fade, the problems will still remain. In light of this, Giancola stressed the importance of even the smallest of efforts. You know, when you think about after natural disasters, be it in this case Haiti, you, you hear in the days and weeks after about the millions and billions of dollars that are pledged by governments and individuals and nonprofit organizations. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's, it's just so heartening to hear people come together around these tragedies. But one of the things that I've learned, um, the reality is, is that oftentimes such a small percentage of that aid that's pledged is ever realized. And, and, Depending on the disaster, it's a little different, but oftentimes it's, it's not more than 10 or 15 or 20 percent. So when you think about that, the average individual might go to bed at night thinking, well, the world community has come together around this one and pledged billions of dollars, and yet so little of that is ever received, and for a whole variety of reasons, be it um, political, be it that there are benchmarks attached with the aid and then those benchmarks aren't met, corruption, there's a whole variety of reasons. So I want folks to understand that point first, and that really as world citizens, we need to stay connected and make sure we understand the plight of people so they not, are not left behind after natural disasters like this. The, the second point, though, to your question is about how little things do make a difference. I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's only the involvements that individuals make that really help make the difference. Um, there are real needs in Haiti. There's no question. There were real needs in Haiti um, prior to the earthquake. 
but it's the efforts that people make people to people to make that difference, to really reach out and help meet those real needs. You know, we have a tendency to think of, of Haitians as being poor, desperate um, people who can't take care of themselves. And, and I'm here to tell you that the story is more so one of survival, of resiliency, and of hope. Because if people in this country lived in the conditions that people in Haiti live in every single day and find the strength to get up the next day and continue to live and continue to try to provide a living for their family, that's the story that I think we need to focus on. And that's the, the story that motivates me to think about in some small way, providing uh, some, some, some assistance. Work still needs to be done in Haiti, but looking at a year in retrospect, NC State has made a significant contribution to the recovery of the country. For more information about NC State's involvement in the Haitian recovery, Mike Giancola can be contacted at Mike underscore Giancola, G-I-A-N-C-O-L-A at ncsu.edu. To contact Kelly Hook by email, she can be reached at sbp at ncsu.edu. Thank you for listening, and for Eye on the Triangle, I am Mark Herring. From the beginning of the motorized era, students have struggled with getting from place to place as cheaply and as fast as possible. Especially in the confines of the college campus, students have come up with some pretty ingenious ways to tackle this problem. Whether it's packing eight of your closest friends into that two-door coupe to get to the mall or practically tying down a small army of brave souls into the bed of a truck to rumble to a tailgate, students continually come up with some pretty clever ways to get from place to place. Without a car, many students have adapted the simple non-mobile life. But some have never given up on the simple joys of having a car and have spent gobs of money on parking spaces and gas to keep mom's old van going. Well, those days are over. Enter Zipcar. Zipcar is a car sharing program that is new to NC State's campus. Currently, we have four cars on campus parked in two locations, and they're available for all NC State affiliates, students, faculty, and staff. You can just reserve a zip car and go do an errand or plan a weekend trip and not have to worry about keeping a car on campus long term. That's Lauren Ramsey, the marketing intern at the NC State Wolf Trails office. All NC State affiliates can go to zipcar.com slash NCSU and you can sign up. It's a $35 fee to sign up for a year. Uh, when you register, they're going to send you a zip card in the mail and that's unique to you. So whenever you make a reservation, it's logged on your zip card but immediately you get $35 in driving credit to use for the first month so it equals out and that driving credit can be turned into driving time it's eight dollars an hour or sixty six dollars for the whole day there are four cars on NC State's campus two Scion SB's and two Toyota Priuses they even have cute names Bren and Phillips live in the Dan Allen carriageway in front of the Bergaw residence hall and Brickhouse and Paul live over in the Dan Allen parking deck. But that's not all. The rental fee also includes services like roadside assistance, insurance, and even a gas card. Inside every zip car, there's a gas card. And basically when you're out, you know, doing your weekend trips or whatever you're using the zip car for, if you're low on gas, you can just use the gas card at any gas station and uh, fill up the car and 
It's not coming out of your wallet, so it's great. NC State isn't the only one with zip cars now either. Meredith College, located just a stone's throw down Hillsborough Street, got a few of their own. Here's Laura Fieselman, the sustainability coordinator at Meredith. NC State has four cars, and Meredith has two cars. We have an obviously smaller campus population, and the cars that we have are different. Um, we have a Honda Civic and a Honda Insight, and the Insight is a hybrid. But otherwise, access to the cars and the technology behind everything and the reservation system and who can be a member is all exactly the same. And it's interesting that Meredith students can use the NC State cars, and NC State students can use the Meredith cars, and anyone in the community can use any of the cars. They just apply as a community member. In fact, Zipcar members can use any Zipcar anywhere. If you're over 21 and a Zipcar member, you can use Zipcars, like you said, anywhere in the country. So other area universities that have them include Duke, UNC, Elon, Wake Forest, and then a number of cities across the country and other campuses have programs as well. So Atlanta, D.C., Boston, Philadelphia. So say you're going to Philadelphia for the weekend and you're over 21, you can reserve a Zipcar in Philadelphia, use your same card to get in the door of the car. Keys are tethered to the dash just like they are here and you're good to go. It seems that Zipcar has gotten students excited both at Meredith and at State. Students are excited. I've been talking with it just sort of briefly with various student leader groups on campus. I've introduced it to our Student Government Association, Residence Assistants. Today I talked with student advisors, and the groups are excited, and it's exciting for them to be able to share this opportunity with freshmen or the students they advise and counsel. So, keep your eyes peeled because Zipcar representatives will be on the Brickyard on Wednesday, February 2nd during the day, and will also be at Meredith's Dining Hall in the evening on the 3rd and in their Math and Science building on the 4th. Or, if your car needs are all squared away, check out Zimride, Zipcar's sister program. Zimride, it's it's basically a carpool ride matching service, so you can put in your everyday commute or you can put in like a one-time trip. And you can either list yourself as a passenger or a driver. So you can say, hey, I'm driving from here to Boone this weekend. Anybody need a ride? Or you can say, hey, I'm looking for a ride to Wilmington this weekend. Is anyone going there? And I can, you know, hop in. So uh, it's just, you know, a more efficient way kind of to take care of your commute or your travel. Put more people in one car instead of having a whole ton of cars on the road. This has been Chris Chaffee for Eye on the Triangle. WKNC 88.1. The time is 7.16, and you are listening to Eye on the Triangle. We now turn our attention to the happenings of NC State and beyond with our very own Tyler Vrannon and her very own community calendar. Good evening, Taylor. Tyler, what is going on this week? There's a lot to do around here. Um, to begin, we have Red. It's an exhibition of the North Carolina State Photography Club. It shows the mesmerizing color red and how the world displays it. It's being held January 24th through February 5th at the Bryan Gallery in Thompson Hall. The Chancellor's Forum will be held Thursday, January 27th from 2 to 3 p.m. in the Tally Student Center. The Chancellor's Forum is to review a draft of the university's strategic plan. Attendees will have an opportunity to see the draft plan and provide feedback. Go have a say in your university's plans. Want to try something different? Tai Chi starts this Thursday, January 27th. It will be held in the Court of Carolina. The purpose of this course is to introduce the philosophy and practice of Tai Chi, an ancient Chinese health exercise. Tai Chi is a sequence of gestures and movements that are gentle and fluid, yet have a profound impact. You'll learn the techniques of relaxation, breath control, balance, 
internal strength, mental concentration, and visual focus. Tai Chi will improve overall health and balance energy in the body. The Railton Lecture on Ethical Theory will also be held this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Peter Railton from the University of Michigan and the National Humanities Center will be putting on Two Cheers for Virtue, which is part of the Philosophy Colloquium series. It is located in 331 Withers Hall. Daly and Vincent will be at the Fletcher Opera Theater located in the Progress Energy Center in downtown Raleigh this Wednesday, January 26. After teaming up, these two have quickly become stars in the Bluegrass Realm, winning the International Bluegrass Music Association's Entertainer of the Year Award for three straight years. They even earned themselves a Grammy bid this past year. They have had many, they have many uh, bluegrass relevant to a wider audience because they are just that good. The show starts at 8 p.m. The record, Contemporary Art and Vinyl, is a years-in-the-making art display of the array of artsy inspiration from the vinyl record medium. It is composed of the work of 41 artists from around the world. Seems like a great combination of art and music. Check it out at the National Museum of Art on Duke campus. This week is Triangle Restaurant Week. It is a great time to go check out different restaurants. For one week, dozens of greater Raleigh restaurants will participate in the area's greatest culinary celebration, by offering three-course meals from as much as $15 at lunch and 20 to $30 at dinner. Does it get much better than that? Choose from popular restaurants such as 42nd Street Oyster Bar, Ruth Chris, Solace Lucky 32, The Porter's Tavern, Fraser's Wine Bar, and more than 75 others throughout the week. Visit the Triangle Restaurants Week website to view a comprehensive list of the greater Raleigh restaurants participating. And remember to sign up for the Krispy Kreme Challenge, which we held on February 5th. For fifth, not only will it be a fun time, but it'll be for a great cause, benefiting the North Carolina's Children's Hospital. Thanks, Taylor, very much for your candor. And by the way, we will have a preview of the Krispy Kreme Challenge next week on this very program, our very own Mark Herring, and maybe even you as well, right? Yes, I'm doing it. We are going to have a, a bit of a training session. It will be very exciting. Now, it is time to switch gears and talk to Jessica Shower with weather. Now, what? is going to go down this week. I heard the, I heard rumors of snow, and then I heard rain, and then I got confused, and then uh, I don't even know. So, Jessica, what's the weather looking like this week? Well, in case you haven't looked outside your window lately, it's going to be wet and rainy all evening tonight. Um, a low-pressure system from the Gulf will be influenced by a strong variance of upper air energy strengthening the system over time. Warm air advection tonight is due to the movement of the low will bring lifting mechanisms cause, causing rain showers and is the reason behind our warmer temperatures tonight. As the system passes through our area overnight and throughout the day tomorrow, rain showers will be numerous and scattered throughout the area, but the rain will start to lighten up by tomorrow evening. Be sure to bring your umbrella to work or to school tomorrow. Hopefully you won't be traveling northward over the next few days because this same system will be impacting the Atlantic coast from Baltimore and northward with snow and ice accumulations possible. Expect delays if you are traveling north as well as slick road conditions. But for Wednesday, highs will be in the mid-40s with up to a quarter of an inch of rain possible throughout the day. As the system passes by on Wednesday night, winds will become northerly, bringing another blast of cold air with it. Lows Wednesday night will be in the upper 20s, giving us a slight chance of snow um, snow showers, but mostly it'll just be rain showers throughout the night. More high pressure will be moving into our area this weekend, giving us warmer temperatures and clearer skies. Temperatures will be in the mid to upper 40s on Thursday and Friday with partly to clear skies, partly cloudy to clear skies. However, this weekend is shaping up to be very nice. Both Saturday and Sunday look to feature temperatures in the low to mid 50s, so take advantage of it and get outside. 
Well, thank you very much, Jessica. Uh, we will look forward to hearing from another meteorological student at NC State next week. And it is now time for a brand new segment called This Week in History with David Klemp and Nick Savage. Then we will take a break. However, when we come back, we will have a scene from the Burning Cold Theater's production of Blue. We will sit down with the NC State Ducks Unlimited Club. There will be a reading by Fredessa Hamilton from the Windover. We will talk sports with Taylor Barber. And there will be a video game current events podcast type deal with with uh, Rick and Tim. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. This week in history, the first Winter Olympics commenced in 1924 at Mont Blanc in France. Unfortunately, the U.S. only got one gold medal for speed skating by Charles Dutraux. Bummer for us, but on the bright side, the other nations with red, white, and blue flags received a total of five gold medals. In 1945, Soviet troops liberated Auschwitz, Poland, after having taken back Warsaw and Krakow. In 1970, John Lennon wrote and recorded Instant Karma all in one day. It was his third solo single and happened to peak at number three on the charts. Three is a magic number, Nick. That it is, Dave. In 1986, the space shuttle Challenger disintegrated in the skies above Florida on its 10th mission, which had already been delayed five times. All seven crew members died, including Krista McAuliffe, who was chosen to be the first teacher in space. In 1843, William McKinley Jr. was born in Niles, Ohio. The seventh of nine kids, he went on to become the 25th president of the United States. This guy not only sported an excellently cleft chin... He was in office during the Spanish-American War and the turn of the 20th century, a time of great change for American policy, both foreign and domestic. In 1948, Mohandas Gandhi was assassinated by Hindu extremist Natharam Gadsa. He was 78 years old, and this was the final of six attempts on the Mahatma's life. It would be two more years before his dream of Indian independence from the British Empire became a reality. In 1932, Adolf Hitler was named Chancellor of Germany following his extremely fast rise to power. After this point, Hitler would twist the previously democratic Weimar Republic into his socialist regime, fulfilling his dream of a one-party government with himself as its leader. And finally, this week back in 1882, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was born in Hyde Park, New York. He was elected the 32nd president and stayed in office for an unprecedented four terms. His presidency spanned the tail end of the Great Depression and most of World War II. You know, my grandpa met Roosevelt when he was a kid. No, he didn't. Well, no. But that would have been really cool. Well, that's all the knowledge we've got for you this week. I'm Nick. And I'm Dave. Thanks for listening, and keep it historical, Raleigh. Programming on 88.1 WKNC is supported by Tiernan Oak Irish Pub in Raleigh. Each Thursday, Tiernan Oak and WKNC present local beer, local band night. This Thursday, January 27th, features music from Aminol, Wiley Hunter, and the Cazadores. Tiernan Oak also has local beer on tap. More information can be found at tnnirishpub.com or wkncorg lblb. WKNC would like to thank Tiernan Oak for their continued support. The Revolution. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle. I'm Chris Chaffee, and the time is 7.25. Right now at the Burning Coal Theater, the production of Blue is in full swing. This dramedy revolves around Louise, a self-absorbed wife who falls for an escape artist, William, at the circus. Her equally self-absorbed comic book-making artist husband, Adagio, sits at home alone. As the story progresses, Louise realizes she's not happy with William or Adagio, and as the play closes, she sails off into the sunset. Blue opened January 13th and runs through January 30th. 
So here it is. I am Carrie Seymour, and I am playing Louise. I'm John Jimerson, and I am playing Adagio in Blue by Kelly Doyle. Louise gets home early. You're home early. Should I leave and come back? You're a silly willy. Yes, I am. I am a tired silly willy. You look like a sad silly willy. Am I? Sometimes I get sad when I'm tired. Well, maybe that's just your sad and tired look. You are so pretty, even if you are sad or tired. I'm married to the prettiest lady. Where is my wonderful dinner? Dinner? The dinner that you were supposed to make and that we were supposed to eat chicken salad on brown bread and then cookies for dessert. Oh, that wonderful dinner? I don't know. I've been busy making a surprise for you. You said that you would make dinner. Don't get mad. I was making you a present. You came home too early and I'm not finished. Then I was going to make dinner. You aren't supposed to be home yet. If you came home at the actual time you were supposed to come home, there wouldn't be a problem. Oh, dear. Don't get so upset. I'll just sit here then until it is the actual time for me to come home. You always have the best ideas. I love you, silly willy. I love you too, silly willy. Do you want to know what I was making for you? Can I eat it? No. Do you want to see it? No. I think I would like to try being surprised. You have to wait for me to finish. Well, that could be fun. But I hope it isn't a big surprise. I only like surprises as long as they are not too surprise-like. Surprises are good. Most surprises are bad. How? Like, surprise, your mother dropped dead while working at the library. Or, surprise, you accidentally sliced your finger off while cutting bread. Or, surprise, we found your child lying blue in the snow and we took him to the emergency room. We don't have a child. But we could. It could happen. And he could turn blue in the snow and die. I hate blue. But now it won't be a surprise since we already talked about it. And there isn't any snow. I suppose not. But somewhere, there is snow. But not here. But not here. You came home early and I didn't expect that. You surprised me and I didn't die. I was like, surprised! It was a good surprise, Louise. Why did you come home early, Louise? Louise and Adagio eat soup. This soup is good. Thank you. I took it out of a packet like the soup they serve on trains. It's fun to slurp it. Yes. But only when we are alone, not in front of other people. Right. I can slurp the loudest. I can definitely slurp louder than you. Oh, oh, this this is kind of gross. <laughs> you win! <laughs> How do you like being a comic book hero? Heroine. I'm a girl, and girls are heroines. It's fine so far. It's only been five minutes. Ask me again tomorrow when I've had some more time to get used to it, okay? Okay. Thank you for making the soup. And for the comic book. I don't mean to appear ungrateful. You're welcome.
tells Adagio about the circus. Here is a toy. I got it for you. I know how much you like monkeys. Where in the world did you get it? Uh, at the circus. We were supposed to go to the circus together. His name is Silly Willy. <laughs> we promised. I just went down to where the circus is and I walked around. I didn't watch the circus. Why did you go without me? Don't you like your monkey? Don't try to buy me off with a circus toy. You have a secret. I can tell. I had it planned to tell you, but now I think it's better if I don't tell you. But I want to know. We tell each other all our secrets. No, it's better. We promised when we met. We said we promised to never keep a secret from each other. We wrote it in the tree. That was a long time ago. That tree is probably dead now. So? But we were very young. We are still young. No, we are not. It was supposed to be forever. It is not realistic. What isn't? All of those things we were saying then. What things, Louise? It just isn't possible to tell someone all of your secrets all of the time. Why not? Because even if you think you want to, it just is not possible. Louise, what's happening to you? You never talk like this. You're scaring me. I'm just saying that it isn't healthy for a person to not have any secrets. And I have decided to try living and keeping a secret of my own. Well, I don't have any secrets. I tell you everything. I am just saying that maybe we should decide it's okay for each of us to have a secret. It will help us grow as people. This is happening too fast. I need time to think about it. And if you want to find out more information about Blue or their new special Thursday night out package, call 911. Don't call 911. Call 919-834-4001 for details or go to burningcold.org. Now, let's completely switch gears and talk sports with Taylor Barber. I'm joined in the studio this afternoon with uh, Taylor Barber over from Technician Sports. Taylor. Very busy week for both the Wolfpack and for other sports around the area, huh? Yeah, it was a uh, busy week for the uh, Wolfpack sports in general. Men's basketball had two games. Obviously, the one on Wednesday night, they lost to Duke. Couldn't ever get over first first half woes just killed them. They couldn't get over that. I mean, they shot 21% in the first half and really could not... They played Duke even in the second half, scored 50 points. Duke scored 50 in the second half. It's just that first half just killed them. But um, it was a good game. We saw some improvement in a lot of areas, some better off for the team. Javi Gonzalez not really playing anymore. Better off with uh, Ryan Harrow has really started to come into his own and take over games, which is what is expected. And the one thing that NC State hasn't had, Coach Lowe hasn't had since being here, except for that first year when he had Injinatsu, is a true point guard who knows what he's doing, who's confident. And that's what Harrow is de- definitely developing into. And then um, Miami got a needed a very, very much needed win that we took. We uh, state tried to give it away, had a 17 point lead at one point in the second half, and barely won um, by two points. Uh, Miami had a chance to score with a couple seconds left, a couple good defensive stands, a clutch free throw by C.J. Williams, sealed that victory for NC State and got them to uh, two and four in the ACC. And hopefully they can uh, put together a few wins now. Richard Howe had uh, his best career game at State in his uh, fourth start this season, put up 17 points, which was a uh, game high for the pack and uh, looked really good down low, just uh, dominating, passing out of the post and just a really well played game for the pack. Now, I've noticed that uh, NC State 
you know, we're a perennially we're a second half team. And actually, in that Duke game, you saw the real rally when they came back out at the beginning of the second half. How can we? Um, how is Lowe going to motivate his players to start off games? Right, instead of having to play catch up in the second half like he had to against Duke. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it on the head right there. I mean, that is what it, it's Lowe's job. This isn't uh, the players; they they should know how. But Lowe needs to inspire these guys. Lowe needs to make sure they know they can, they can't come out and just twiddle their hands for the first half and then try to. They're not good enough. They're too young. They're not good enough to come out and dig themselves out of a huge. Uh, deficit in the second half. They need to come out, play with a sense of urgency, and that's something you saw against Miami. They got a little laid back. Miami hit a few shots in that second half, but the beginning of that game, you could tell a completely different team. They came out with that sense of urgency because that's what it is. I mean, if they're trying to make the NCAA champion, uh, NCAA tournament, if they want a berth right now, they've blown so many opportunities to get that one big win. They have to run through the ACC here. They can't waste games anymore. They're really um, just they're running out of time. I mean, they still have 11 games left. They're sitting at two and three right now, so there is time to do it. If they can rattle off, they can get to 10 wins. You're you're looking at right at the bubble right there. You get any more than that, I think they're going to be in it's with a good ACC tournament run. But I mean, they're really running out of time, and this and Lowe's running out of time. No NCAA berth means no more Lowe, and uh, means he'll be looking for a job come next fall. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some women's basketball. I know the results were not as favorable as the team would have liked. Oh, it was a heartbreaker on Sunday. The uh, women's basketball team had a chance to knock off the last undefeated team in women's basketball, the Duke Blue Devils, who are ranked number four nationally. They had... Completely an utter collapse is the only way to describe it. They were up 18 points with eight minutes to go and just complete meltdown here. You can tell... And they played so well in the first half. Once Duke started getting on a roll, though, you could really see the youth of this team. I mean, how young they were. You had the no one on the team really looked like they wanted to take a shot. Everyone was passing it up. No one started to play confident once Duke got on that roll and started to come back. And it was just a matter of time till they blew it. But I mean, just a huge win slips right through their fingers. I know uh, Coach Harper was just devastated. The whole team was devastated. I mean, how could you not after having just riding that emotional high coming out? Playing so well against a team that's ranked so good and needing a win like State does now, they're sitting at uh, eight and nine or nine and ten on the season. They're really gonna have to turn it on the second part of the of the uh, half of the season if they're looking to do anything. Just like the men's basketball team, I mean, both teams need to come out and finish the season strong if they're hoping for any type of uh, NCAA berth. Well, on that note, let's uh, end here on a positive note. Well, not really, but hopefully next week you'll have some better news to report. Uh, thanks for joining us this week again, Taylor Barber from Technician. All right, see you guys later. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Tyler Barber. No, I got confused because it's Tyler Vrannon and Taylor Barber. Every week here in Student Media, Rich Lepore, our resident arts and entertainment features editor, produces a semi-weekly podcast with his co-host, Tim McNeil, called The Joy of Gaming. As a new segment, we here on Eye on the Triangle will be bringing you a small sampling of this podcast every week. So, here it is. Our first installment of The Joy of Gaming. The Joy of Gaming is a semi-monthly podcast dedicated to discussing the video games we love and the gaming industry in general. I'm your host, Rich Lepore. I'm co-host Tim McNeil. And this is an abbreviated rundown of this week's gaming news. First up, Modern Warfare 3 was just announced for a 2011 November launch. It is a little bit different this year because Infinity Ward as you may or may not know, has semi-dissolved. 
there's been a pretty big fiasco going on just in the industry itself all around that stuff. And so it's, a lot of the people who made the original ones have left the company. The founders, actually, of, of Infinity Ward, West and Zampella, were, there's a big legal battle, and Activision sort of fired them, and now they're working for EA. And So it's been officially been announced. Let's see what happens with it, see if they still have the quality that they had before or not. Yeah, we, we're not really sure how the, how the game's going to fare. It, this will be the first time that the, the mainline... Call of Duty series doesn't have its, you know, its creators, core developers creators yeah. behind it. Next up, 3DS. A lot of things have been announced. First of all, we have a release date, March 27th of this year. We also have a price. It's $249.99. And colors. There are two colors, and they are blue and Cosmo Black. And the launch lineup, well, unfortunately, is a little sketchy. Yeah, a little sketchy. I'm not really that interested in anything until Kid Icarus comes out, which is... Slightly after launch, so it's not directly a launch title, but uh, we'll see what happens from that. Yeah, there's a launch window Nintendo's talking about, and it it, it launch it's from 327 through 602, or basically the E3 yeah. period. And within that window, there are some good titles like Professor Layton and a what is it? There's a Ridge Racer title, uh, the um, Legend of Zelda. Yeah, Ocarina, Le- Ocarina of Time's getting remade. So there's nothing really too, you know, mind-blowing for a while, but, you know, it never fails for Nintendo with their portable system, so we're sure to get quality out of that. And, you know, the the 3DS is going to be the first time you can play games in 3D without glasses. Yeah. And there's actually a little slider to determine how much 3D effect you want. It should be really cool. It's going to be expensive but fun. Yeah. And when the games warrant a purchase, I think that's the time to buy. Yeah. And in response to that, the uh, PSP2 has had lots of rumors coming up about it being announced and sort of details going along with that. The that. the lo- the actual announcement is is probably going to be made on January 27th at a summit that is it has the same name, I think it's the the PlayStation World Conference, the same name as the 2005 conference that announced the PSP1. So Indeed. I think it's safe to assume that they're going to be launch. They're going to be announcing the launch of PSP two. Yeah, you know, preemptively to sort of uh, bounce off DS three DS's momentum. Yeah, try to steal some of the momentum. I don't think it's going to be too successful in doing so, but we'll see. It has a rear track. These are the rumor features: a rear trackpad so that your fingers aren't like in the way of the screen while you're doing touchscreen applications. It's got back facing camera as well as front. Two analog sticks, thank God. Yeah. This is the big thing everybody's been going crazy about, about uh, PSP1 not having. Um, it's going to have an HD screen that one of the developers who have a dev kit has is quoted as saying the iPhone 4 Retina screen but better. It's also been claimed to have the same processing power as a PlayStation 3, which I am incredibly skeptical of that claim. That is questionable. Yeah. But we'll see what happens with it. And finally... A lot of Final Fantasy news. First up, Final Fantasy thirteen two. It's long been rumored, and now the release is confirmed for Japan this winter, and, and for the U.S. in twenty twelve. I think it's just quarter, first quarter twenty twelve. Yeah. So hopefully soon. That, there's not any signed date. If, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know uh, that me and Tim are both big fans of Final Fantasy series. Yeah. Um, Varying degrees about Final Fantasy thirteen, but I think we both love the combat system, and yeah. we'd love to see a more tweaked, even better version of it. Yeah. Uh, other things, Final Fantasy fourteen uh, is not gone nearly as well as Square Enix would have planned. They apparently have a ninety two percent profit cut from what they thought they were doing. So essentially, they if they thought they were going to make a million dollars, they only ended up making eighty thousand. 
And in response to that, they've now given free cover, uh, free service for Final Fantasy third uh, Final Fantasy fourteen for an extended amount of time. This is the biggest flop in Square Enix history. Oh wait, my bad. The spirits within. <laughs> spirits within. Yeah. My my fault about that. Anyway, also announced. Ajito, which was going to be, you know, they were doing this whole uh, uh, Fabula Nova, Nova yeah. Crystallis series, and it was going to be a, a combination of a bunch of games, sort of in the same vein as the Final Fantasy thir- uh, Seven series, like the, the, you know, they what do they call it, Legacy of Final Fantasy yeah. Seven or something like that. But anyway, this game is no longer in that series. It is for PSP. It's been renamed to Type Zero. And they're claiming it has no relation to Final Fantasy Thirteen now, and it will ship on two UMDs. And finally, Versus Thirteen, probably the most long-awaited game in the yeah. Thirteen series, now has an extended trailer which shows gameplay. And it's pretty impressive, actually. There's a big scene of a huge behemoth, if anyone's for, uh, familiar with Final Fantasy, basically crashing through a city, and you're just kind of one man fighting it off. Kind of reminiscent of like God of War, where you're fighting the Titans as they're destroying stuff. It looks pretty cool. It looks cool. Hopefully, it's, it's also Kingdom Hearts esque. Yeah, it's almost it's it's by uh, Tetsuya Nomura, who is the guy behind the Kingdom Hearts series. Mm-hmm. So, the the combat and the whole aesthetic is sort of reminiscent of that, minus the Disney. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to wait and see, but it looks promising. Mm-hmm. Of course, no release date on that yet. Indeed. So. Anyway, if you would like more info about these stories and to hear more of our take on the video game industry, you can check out the Joy of Gaming podcast at technicianonline.com. And if you want to find more about their podcast, check out technicianonline.com slash features or email R-T-L-E-P-O-R-E at ncsu.edu. Now, moving right along, our next segment features the writing of Kyle Jones, our resident myth debunker. This week, he will be taking aim at the word organic and how it might not mean what you think it does. Being an educated consumer is vital, and my goal is to unveil the hidden truths that the food and health industries don't want you to know. Big corporations are effective at advertising, and they spend big bucks to keep you misled. To get things started, I thought I might talk about this new, super cool thing that everyone's trying. It's called organic food. I find it somewhat humorous that regular, untainted food needs to be labeled as organic. Why can't organic carrots simply be called carrots and the rest of the carrots can be called petri dish carrots it's crazy but also deviates from my point i believe it is common knowledge that organic foods are without a doubt far superior to foods loaded with preservatives pesticides and altered dna but in the interest of turning you into a fine-tuned consuming machine i would like to expose you to the dark side of the organic food business the organic food business has become extremely lucrative over the last decade what you might not know is that many organic and health food brands are owned by big businesses. To give you an idea, Naked Juice is owned by Pepsi. Cascadian Farms Organic Food is owned by General Mills. Odwalla, that's owned by Coca-Cola. And Tom's of Maine, it's owned by Colgate-Palmolive. When you look at the box, I guarantee you will not see who really owns the rights to that product. That's because if you knew that a company who has made their money selling carbonated sugar water in a can was now selling a healthy fruit and veggie drink, their sales would suffer. Now, many of these big companies advertise that they are or contain organic ingredients, which is true if they have obtained the USDA's seal of approval. However, those ingredients are obtained as cheaply as possible and more than likely has not come from the United States. By using the term organic, companies have been able to trick consumers into believing that they are helping the local economy. Unfortunately, that's wrong more often than not. 
In fact, being a small farmer is harder than ever, and few survivors remain. Organic crop yields are not nearly as impressive in size as their genetically modified counterparts, and they need more land to keep up with the consumer demand. This leads directly to deforestation. Another common misconception is that organic food is more nutritious or that it tastes better than genetically modified food or crops that are treated with pesticides and preservatives. Well, there hasn't really been any definitive evidence to prove this. So if you want to get the best tasting and nutritious food, eat it when it is fresh and in season. Fruits and veggies gradually start losing nutrients the second that they're pulled out of the dirt and continue to lose nutrients until they're inside your stomach. So it makes sense to buy local. It may seem like I'm cheering for the dark side, but what I'm doing is telling you the things you aren't supposed to know. I feel that it is vital to vote with our dollars, and I am an avid supporter of Wholesome Foods and the Green Revolution. However, I think it's important to be fully informed. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Kyle Jones. Thanks, Kyle. The time is 7.46, and we are going to move along right now to the Ducks Unlimited Club, who is a group that focuses on conserving wildlife and land so they can be pristine for hunting and other outdoor activities. Our contributor, Mark Herring, sat down with them to discuss what the club is all about. All right, I'm joined here in the studio by the Ducks Unlimited Club. So could you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Alex Hale. I'm a sophomore in business administration. I'm Sim Ogburn, and I'm a senior in fisheries and wildlife sciences. Okay, great, guys. And um, could you just talk a little bit about your club, who you are, and what you do? We are the NC State chapter of the Ducks Unlimited. We do fundraising and for the conservation of wetlands across North America. Ducks Unlimited is a very large foundation that includes Canada, United States, and Mexico. And the United States has a lot of chapters, and we are one of the college chapters. In fact, we're one of the top college chapters in the nation. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what kind of uh, activities and events do you guys participate in? We have an annual fall banquet, which happens normally around the early November time period. And then we, we'll have an oyster race coming up here in close to the end of February, and we're contemplating doing a couple other events, such as a skeet shoot and possibly a beach music festival type ordeal. Okay, cool. And now I understand that the club is mainly a wetland conservation organization, but could you kind of debunk the myth of this being a waterfowl sort of hunting club? Yeah, absolutely. Ducks Unlimited is absolutely, first and foremost, wetlands conservation, and that's what we're all in it for. We typically end up maybe going on some trips with our friends, but what we do as a club here at school and in our functions is we raise money for wetlands conservation. And out of the funds, we take in 88 cents of every dollar goes to conserving wetlands, and it takes roughly $250 to conserve one acre of wetlands in the Prairie Prothole region of North America, which is where a vast majority of the waterfowl, which is ducks and geese, breed and summer in. Okay. Could you talk about maybe some of the, the threats to wetlands? A lot of the threats that we're facing is development and changing, like filling in wetlands for housing and environmental degradation through pollution of water, and it's causing quite a few mishaps with the uh, duck populations and we uh ducks unlimited as an organization is working to conserve the waterfowl that were here whenever people first got to this continent and it's a pretty hard thing to do but we're uh, as an organization we make pretty good strides across the country 
Okay, great. And now I understand it's a multinational organization, but how can someone in Raleigh or in the NC State community become involved in club activities? Well, the best way right now is through Facebook. We have a Facebook page, NC State Ducks Unlimited, and we do all of our club meetings, all of our correspondence through Facebook. Anyone can join and anyone can participate. We would really love to have anybody that was willing to be involved. Definitely. And now, generally, when do you guys meet and where would you meet? We meet about once a week and we're still picking out the days. We change each semester as the people in the club, their schedules change. But this semester, it's looking like Tuesday nights around 7 to 8 o'clock in the evening at the Campus Crossings apartment complex on Tryon Road. And you can shoot us a Facebook message, and we'll give you directions. And we would love to have anybody come out. It's interesting. Okay, great. Thank you. Are there any final comments you'd like to make about the club or clubs at NC State in general? Well, we're very honored that you had us up here to speak because we're somewhat known around campus, and we have the great big um, banquet in the fall. But we And we sell T-shirts in the brickyard, but we would really like for – everybody to to know of us and to participate because we have a great time and um, our banquet's huge and it really helps hoist NC State over all those other college uh, chapters in the country when we have a lot of participation. And just as a side note, this past year, we uh, ending in the year of 2010, we took number one in the state for college chapters and we don't know for sure yet, but we're within the top two for the college chapters in the nation so we're a growing club and we've been pretty close to the top for a while but right now we're basically the uh the college chapter to compete with and we really want to keep that up and keep raising more for uh wetland conservation and ducks unlimited because it's something we really believe in well uh congratulations on that and thank you very much for joining us in the studio you guys take care thank you thank you 88.1 88.1 WKNC. Thanks, Mark. And the time is 7.52, and I am now joined in the studio here with Tommy Anderson and a member of the Moving Island Organization, a new organization which raises money for Raleigh-based education facility focused on emerging arts, empowering technology, and the business of living. Thanks, gentlemen, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us in. Hey, how's it going? Um, so I'm Tommy Anderson. I'm here with Chris Riddle of Moving Island. Chris is a former NC State student who now contributes his musical talents to several local bands. And to get a shameless plug in there for next week, one of which is Cassis Orange, who will be performing at Double Barrel on February 4th, which we're all... Which we will, by the way, have a preview for on our next week's show. For sure. But for the uh, past couple months, perhaps his main focus has been turned towards something much larger than, but certainly not excluding, musical endeavors. Um, that concentration is... Of course, as Chris just said, the Raleigh-based nonprofit, um, community-oriented collaboration known as Moving Island, um, which is a modestly converted, still in the works, being converted, yep, um, and still in the works, multi-purpose space located at 804 Northwest Street in Raleigh. Now, Chris just read it, um, your basically mission statement or statement of purpose off the website, which is movingisland.org. Um, it says, Moving Island is a Raleigh-based community education facility focused on emerging arts, empowering technology, and the business of living. So besides what could be supposed in general from this um, statement, what is Moving Island going to do? Uh, uh, the primary function is is to provide the, the education aspect um, uh, in a non-traditional fashion, I suppose. Um, you know, for instance, uh, with a musical focus, uh, you would never take a, a guitar lesson from anyone at the Moving Island, but you would do 
perhaps like a sampling and sound manipulation course or a, a circuit bending course, which is actually being taught by Adam Crane, one of our, our board members, uh, who was one of the three finalists in the Moog Fest uh, wow. uh, competition, which is kind of a kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, certainly. But uh, you know, it's it's fitting into the community and filling those holes that are not um, provided by any of the other community centers or private lessons. Oh. Great. So there are four founding board members, which you touched on. Um, who are they? And um, what, what, what is, uh, I guess, your, your different uh, contributions to the space? Right. Well, um, music is sort of the, the common uh, denominator there. Uh, we've got Kelly Crisp uh, of the Rosebuds, Maria Albany of Schooner and Organos, as well as uh, Adam Crane, who actually does uh, band light engineering um, for motor skills. And uh, also myself, I'm the executive director, and I'm in Old Bricks Motor Skills because uh, he's orange and sea legs. So, uh, the point being that uh, Kelly actually was initially a um, an elementary school teacher, and so she's sort of right. in charge of our education department. Uh, we're also a gallery space, and Maria Albany is in charge of the Minus Sound Research Collective, and so we brought her on for uh, her work with visual art. Well, uh, so basically as much stuff as you can fit in this space, it's going to be there. Exactly, and uh, I mean, the idea being to bring these things to the community that don't exist already as well as the education. I mean, uh, we will be having regular First Friday art shows as well as um, installations and performances. So we're all part of this you know, fantastic music community that we have in this area, um, and, there's, and there's so much more than music in this area. It's very rich, replete, I guess, with the arts, education, you know, you name it. Um, so the setting is perfect for for a project such as Moving Island, but um, so you can see why a place like this would exist. But what in particular, I guess, conceived this idea? Where did it come from? Um, it was sort of an out, outcry from the community, actually. Uh, Adam and I had acquired the space in order to turn it into sort of a pretty run-of-the-mill uh, practice space and studio uh, thing. And once people started seeing it and that it was sort of nicer than your average warehouse, uh, it had been converted for someone to live in, essentially. So... Um, there's like hardwood floors and it's less creepy than it would be. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so we realized that we could actually teach classes there. And that was sort of the, the inspiring, uh, idea actually suggested by Kelly Crisp. So it's basically just pulling in people who could offer different points of expertise. Absolutely. As members. Yep. Right. So, um, what was the planning process like? You have uh, a panic. Uh, we, we started talking to a broker, uh, to acquire the space and then, um, we actually had a counter bid, and then there was about a two-day period where we ran around and asked everyone that we had ever met uh, whether they would be like like to be involved with something like this mm-hmm. and sort of gauge the community before we decided to drop a, a higher bid than we had initially uh, done. And, right. and so we, we had to decide whether we could actually pull it off, essentially, and running around and asking everyone that I knew, everyone in the community, talking to Kings and Neptunes and... Mark Connor from Slims and mm-hmm. uh, the, the folks at Tiernanog, all the venues, all the galleries, all the performance and studio spaces, and checking with all the artists and seeing if they would like to be a part of it. And uh, it was pretty unanimous that it was it was something that was not present in the Triangle right now. So. Yeah, well, we, we hope for the best. I'm sure you won't have any problem finding help <laughs> in the community. But how how are you going to utilize the community? Like outside the four board members, who... Who, 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 I guess, I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this, who can help and how can they help? Well, the organization is actually membership-based. Um, okay. it's, it's a $30 uh, donation to, to become a member, and that, that buys you a year's worth 
Um, and then you're provided substantial discounts to both classes and programming. Um, and so once you've become a member, then you're going to be able to come to our meetings and you'll be able to steer the direction that we go. Um, and so, so it is, it is definitely a community, uh, run. Yeah. And it's, it's a nonprofit. So absolutely. We, we are, we are pending our tax exempt status right now. The second Uh, half of it, right? Exactly. But, uh, we are, we are incorporated and we are technically a nonprofit. Yep. Great. Um, so what, what are your plans for the future? What do you see? I guess it's, I guess maybe a month from now is even too far to ask, but what do you see down the road in general for the space? Well, March is when our, our, uh, initial first Friday opening is. So we will have a, an art exhibition. It's a, it's a group show, uh, featuring a ton of great local artists. Uh, um, it's got a moving Island theme and it's kind of a, a combination of things. But, uh, in addition to that, we will be starting our classes in March and that's kind of the big, the big jump off point. Uh, this benefit that we have, the buoyancy benefit this weekend, right. the 28th and the 29th, is actually to raise funds for the materials so that we can provide all of the classes that we have staff teachers for and created syllabus for. Mm-hmm. So. so we've got um, just a little bit more time. Let's hit harder on the uh, on on the on the benefit this weekend. You've right. got a that's Friday and Saturday. Yes, 28th and the 29th. It starts up at uh, at seven o'clock on Friday, and then it runs all day on Saturday, starting at one p.m. Uh, all the way to, to two a.m. Uh, we we did have our special guests announced uh, the day before yesterday. Um, Mac McConaugh from uh, Super Chunk and Portostatic just signed on, as well as Phil Cook and his feet, uh, one of the members of Megafon. So we're really excited mm-hmm. of the the late edition. Um, Certainly, yeah. yeah. Who wouldn't be excited about that? Yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, uh, Vili, we're really excited about Lonnie Walker, uh, Naps, um, Heads on Sticks, uh, tons and tons of great bands. Yeah. It's just another example of you know what the, this great community we live in. You know these these fantastic bands, these fantastic artists putting on. A show for a project like this. Absolutely, and they all donated their time as well as uh, uh, pieces of music. The grand prize of our raffle is, is a little bit from, from everyone. You'll get uh, an album from, from every participating band. Oh, wow. Wow. So more information about that is at movingisland.org. Yes, sir. Yeah. And um, tickets are available at School Kids, correct? School Kids, uh, CD Alley in Chapel Hill, uh, Chaz's Bull City Records, as well as uh, movingisland.org. Awesome. Well, Chris, we wish you and your gang all of the best. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. And like they said, Moving Island concert will be this Friday. Very exciting stuff. Now, we're going to move to one last thing today that is a little bit late in the day. But the Windover has been NC State's premier literary magazine for many years. And every spring, it is offered free of charge around campus. We here at On the Triangle wanted to bring you some of the voices of authors reading their own original work here on the show. And this week, we will be hearing from Fredessa Hamilton, a doctoral student in communications. So, Fredessa, take it away. I am joined here in the studio by Fredessa Hamilton Cobb, professor of digital audio, teaches COM 307 and also some other classes. Now, uh, you have come in to read some of your poetry. Can you tell me a little about uh, what you are going to read today? Sure, absolutely. Um, The couple of poems I want to read, I think, are um, some frustrating moments, I think, in the world of consumerism. Um, And it's going to be called Writing by Firelight. And then um, I'll read one that I read at Open Mic on Finding Man Again in Kenya. Um, So anyway, I I think these poems will be real appropriate. We'll take it away. Thank you. The first poem I'd like to read is uh, Writing by Firelight, something maybe some of us have experienced. Writing by Firelight. Sitting with candlelight, looking for God's light, all courtesy of the local power company. In these modern times, electricity's like air, just there. 
takes real thought not to throw a switch, check the clock, make some coffee, while muttering more than once about how they ever lived without it. Would look weird to all my neighbors to hook up a generator, mini power plant designed to tease the local power company. So I write by firelight through the dark and chilly night, hoping that we'll all be right in the morning. Like Abe Lincoln risking blindness, I spend a few days in the 1990s and 2000s and 2001s and 2s, glad that spring is scattered breezes and the sun comes out much quicker. With batteries, I play some tunes, taking bites out of quiet nights and bringing blessed relief from TV. A pyromaniac's delight, my firelit pen responds with stringy scribbles inspired by the local power company. Rich enough to pay the bill, but a victim of quirks and new rules. I light candles, not for romance, but to prolong a too long day. The bed is warmed before the fire, and I sleep mistakenly in the room with the firelight pen in hand. Near frustration reaches chilly toes, but light restores. And I thank the local power company for the experience of knowing what life was like before Thomas Edison. That's, uh, sometimes uh, you forget to pay the bill. (laughs) This poem's called On Finding Man Again in Kenya. We still suffer the downtrodden in dust, scraped away and analyzed in layers. People who, being first, gain nothing until they find man in Kenya again. Some homo sapiens still won't admit that they found man in Kenya again. African first man chained and beaten and bitten by snakes and dogs and ships and cells, still in cells. Children of men found in Kenya again. Man who made tools became tools to ease the fright of those who found man in Kenya. And they found men in Kenya, not slaves for America. Argon 40, Argon 39, carbon dating, stargazing, finding every reason to know where man became. Does a wind respect a place on a throne? Do we give it museum status like the Hope Diamond or the first telephone or Wilbur and Orville's plane? No, we just accept it like another flight and let it fade away like Pan Am. The first bone from the first man found in Kenya again in the dust. Mud reveals the story. Clay holds the jawbones of Adam and the rib of Eve. Even while the babies of Eve wander, bleeding and crying, out of the 2.4 million layers of mud. Africa, the home of us all? Are Lucy's children, hundreds of millions of years, and shades removed, ashamed of their fathers, the men found in Kenya again and again? Maybe now that the Kenya man has become so many men and women, we are not all due the regal status of the first bone found. But if Kenya's first man and his tools rate a special place at the Smithsonian, then surely the children of the man found again in Kenya are due a roof and a plate and a chance to be found again in all their splendor and fanfare. Keep looking, and you will again find man in Kenya. Very nice.
Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And thank you for coming in. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And that just about wraps up this uh, week's edition of I'm the Triangle. The time is 8.06. I want to thank Taylor Barber, Tyler Vrannon, Jacob Downey, Tommy Anderson for their contributions, the technician for their help and collaboration, the Windover for their authors, the producer, Michael Jones, assistant director, Mark Herring, Lauren Ramsey, Laura Friedman, Margaret May, the NC State Ducks Unlimited Club, Kelly Hook, Mike Gene Cola, the Joy of Gaming Podcast, the Burning Cold Theater, and you, the listener. If you have a comment or concern, email us at publicaffairs.org or call us at 919-628-0869. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Eye on the Triangle. If you're more to the snail mail type, the the address is WKNC 88.1 FM, Attention Public Affairs, Campus Box 8607, 343 Witherspoon Center, uh, Student Center, Raleigh, North Carolina, 27695. Coming up next week, we will have a Krispy Kreme Challenge preview, which, by the way, if you have any input on what our journalists, Mark Herring and Tyler Vrannon, are going to eat when they train for the Krispy Kreme Challenge, you can uh, tweet it at us, at EOT, or WKNC EOT, or hit us up on the lines I've mentioned, and... Coming up next week, we will also have a Krispy Kreme Challenge preview. More details about the Double Barrel Benefit interview about Black History Month and much, much more. For Eye on the Triangle, I am Chris Chaffee, and we will see you next week.